If you have your Bibles, then would you turn into the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Here we go. A missionary is going to stop in. He's going to preach on missions. Amen? <laughs> Uh, absolutely. But I'm not going to preach on missions because I'm a missionary. I'm going to preach on missions because that's God's plan for us to reach the world as Christians. Amen? If you're part of this Christian family, if you're part of the family of God, if you're here a member of this local New Testament uh, Bible preaching church, then your goal ought to be able to reach your community. That's your goal. And uh, further than reaching your community, your secondary goal is reaching the world around you. And the ways we do that is through missionaries through our mission dollars, through our prayers, through the young men and women that, that, that go overseas or go to these uh, different parts of this country and other countries around the world to preach the gospel. That's just God's method. That's what God chose to do. Sometimes when I get to preaching and thinking about it, I just want to warn you, I get excited, okay? Do y'all ever get excited? You're going to have to sell that to me because I don't believe it. <laughs> Look, I, I was flipping through a songbook. I wanted to not sing a song, so you'll thank me for that later, too. I'm not going to sing for you. But we were in a missions conference in San Antonio at a little church that's called Candelia Bible Church. It's not even a Baptist church by name, but they are Baptist by distinctives. And uh, they're a good Baptist church. It was a retiree that took over the church, and he was an old Baptist. He was a chaplain, and he got out, and he was going to not mess with it. God burdened his heart. You know, you need to go down here and take this little church. They don't have a leader, a shepherd, a pastor. And, uh, he, you know, he argued about it because they're not a Baptist church. And uh, God's, God told him, and I believe he's okay with this, that, that he'll, he'll iron that out later. You just go pastor these folks. And uh, he's an old, old retiree pastor in this little community um, called Candelia Community. And uh, he talked to me about sharing our burden with the U.S. military and what we're doing. And he said, now listen, brother, we're not a Baptist church. He said, we are. They just don't know it. <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, he said, we're Baptists. And he explained to me, we talked about it all. So I got there, and, and this is all part of the illustration here. The pews may not be a lot bigger than this front pew right here, this little pew right here. And there's two of them side by side. And there's about six deep. And that's the whole church. And that's, and that's packed out wall to wall. You can't walk between the wall and the pew. you got to walk only down the middle. And there's a little platform up here which the podium takes up the entire space so you kind of have to stand next to the podium but it's there. Really small church and they had uh, 12 or 14 people there that day and the very first song that they played, the very first two notes, we knew what it was. It's my favorite song. It's Victory in Jesus. Amen? Victory in Jesus. The song says... Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Y'all understand what he did? One day, uh, one day you got saved. You understood that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life and that no man cometh to the Father but by him. That's Jesus, the only way. And the only way you can come to the Father today, the only way that you can is not on your merits, is for by grace are you saved. And it's only by faith. It's through the faith that you put on that grace, which is going back to the book of Romans. He says, if you'll believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, paid your sin debt, you understood that we're all sinners, and, and, the, and the sin debt was, uh, was death. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary for you, paid that sin debt, and all you have to do, the Bible says, 
in Romans 10, 13 is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that doesn't excite everybody, but some Baptist churches, people get excited about that. I've been to some and it really, they do, they get excited. And I get excited about it. And when we sing victory in Jesus, I get excited because I remember what I was before I got saved. Amen. I was sorry. And uh, in fact, I'm not a whole lot better now. I'm just forgiven. Amen. And so I remember who I was. I remember where I would be today had it not been for the grace of God been applied in my life. Somebody faithful to preach the gospel. And when that song is sung, we sing, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. And I always yell, sold! And then we sing, you know, the rest of the verse. And every chorus, I, he sought me, he bought me, sold! And then we sing, you know, in some churches that catches on. In about the second verse, somebody else yells, sold. And maybe the third verse, the pastor or the song leader may keep the piano playing and say, hey, you know, if you've been if you've been bought off the auction block of slavery and you you're and you're and you're bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, why don't you join in with us and yell out sold? You it was sold when the redeeming blood was applied to your sin debt. Somebody will get on board with me sometimes. Sometimes I'm the only one. Oftentimes I'm the only one, right, Devonna? And Devonna just politely lets me shout. So we're back in Candelia. There's maybe 12 people there. And the first two notes is this song. And my wife nudges me. She said, don't scare them off, Brandon. <laughs> don't, don't scare them off. Hey, I didn't let the Holy Spirit be quenched. I shouted out, sold! And then I got to tell them why I do that. Because it excites me. Somebody one day handed me an old gospel track like this. It changed my life. Anybody in here born saved? Raise your hand. Anybody born saved? No, no, no. That's a trick question, wasn't it? <laughs> we had some people start. We had one lady start and her husband slashed her hand down like that. <laughs> Women remain silent. Hey, there wasn't nobody in here born saved. Somebody had to share the gospel with you. Somebody had to tell you about Jesus Christ. When, when uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Tom Lancaster, hands out, tracks. He'll often hand that track to somebody and he'll tell them, can I hand you something? He'll hand them a track and he'll say, listen now, somebody one day gave me one of these and it changed my life. He says, it'll tell you about Jesus Christ and how if you accept him as your savior, perhaps your life can be changed too. Listen, Jesus Christ changed your life. You're a brand new creature. Second Corinthians 5, 17 Behold, all things are passed away. Uh, behold, all things are become new. You ought to be a new creature. You ought to want to tell people about Jesus. That's where we're going to go today. You in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. This ain't a missionary sermon. This is just a Christian sermon, amen? This is just out of the old King James Bible. Let me read you a couple of verses. Starting in verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. You know who that ye is? Ye, that little two-letter word. Ye shall be witnessing to me. Ye is, those, is that person that's, that understood Jesus Christ was the way. Ye is the person that repented of their sins, understood that we're all sinners, and uh, Christ died for us, though. While we were yet a sinner, Christ loved us, died for us. God sent his son to die for us. 
We accepted that, called out unto the holy name of Jesus Christ, accepted what he did. Now we're living a new life. We're in the process of this sanctification, but praise the Lord, we've been justified and we're doing our very best. That's the Christian life. Here you are on Sunday night, hoping you came, I hope you came to get something from him. That's the ye. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. The me is Jesus Christ. We're to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? That's real simple. John 3.14 says, And even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Amen? Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness. That's from, a, that's from a story back in the book of Numbers where they were all getting bitten up by the snakes and serpents and they ran to Moses. Moses, help us, pray for us, for we're all dying because the serpents are biting us. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's still from the King James Bible, all right? So here I am paraphrasing, and they, uh, Moses does. He goes and prays, and God says, you're uh, going to need to fashion a, 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 a serpent, a brazen serpent, and place it on a pole and hold it up high to where everyone can see it, and those who look upon it shall live. You've heard, this, you've heard the song? Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. Y'all know that song? It's recorded in His Word in Numbers chapter 23, I think. Hallelujah. It's only that. Nobody in here got saved without looking unto Jesus. Amen. Nobody then got saved without looking unto that representation of Jesus. So here it is. We are to hold up, lift up, uh, evangelize, send out the name of Jesus. We're to be a witnesses unto Jesus. That's just what the Bible tells us to do. Now, all that was all an introduction. I wish I would have got started about 4.30 this evening, but I didn't. And I understand the time frame we're in. Let me just throw a couple of verses to you here. Acts chapter 1.8, I have written down in my notes that this is God's mission. This is God's method for missions. Acts chapter 1-8. The method is that we saved folks left here behind after we received Jesus Christ. Our, the method that God has put into place is for us to take Jesus Christ's name out to be a witness. Amen? The Bible also says to go ye therefore unto all the world and preach the gospel. The Bible says this, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. I have that on the outside of my Bible. Uh, that way, if I ever forget it, I can just look at it. I just got confused. <laughs> Mark 16, 15 says that. Hey, that's our marching orders. God gave us a method of how to do things. He's given us orders on what to do and how to do it. And then he tells us how he'll accomplish that. He'll accomplish that by faithful men, and I want to say faithful women. Right after the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Paul asked these three questions. I love these questions. It's Romans 10, 14. How shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach 
except they be sent. Christians, our job is to either be preaching the gospel out there in a lost world today, starting in Kingsport, Tennessee, and branching out to Johnson City or Bristol or all of this state and looking at the different states in our United States of America and even further other parts of the world where we send missionaries around. Either it's our mission dollars or it's our prayers or it's even us going, but it's support of this method that God has put into place. It's getting the gospel out. There's a, there's a football game happening in about 45, 50 minutes. I think 6.30 is the kickoff. Is anybody not aware that there's a game today? Anybody? I won't laugh at you. <laughs> there's a game today. It's, yeah, yeah. That's what I think, too. Uh, my team's long gone out of it. So there's a Super Bowl happening today. Uh, there's two good teams playing. They're the two best in the, the National Football League right now, the Patriots and the Rams. And there's two pretty good coaches, one that's uh, twice the age of the other. Coach Bill Belichick is 70-something years old, and, and uh, uh, Sean, what's his name, McVay, is like 35 years old. And uh, there's two young teams, one young team, one older team. And here they are playing all for the last two weeks. They have been planning and practicing to defeat the other one, have they not? In fact, some of them have been practicing and planning and preparing all year long for this game that's going on in the next 45 minutes. And it's going to come time that they perform what they've practiced and planned and prepared. Hey, what, what game plan are they sticking to? They're sticking to a game plan that that coach has put in motion, amen? They have an offensive coordinator, they have a head coach, and they have a game plan that they're to stick to. If they stick to that game plan, and whoever has the best game plan, and whoever sticks to it the very best, will probably be the victor. Y'all with me? That's what's fixing to happen. They're going to contend against one another. The third, the third verse in the book of Jude tells us that reminds us that we're to be earnestly contending for the faith. Here these two folks are earnestly contending against one another. And they're relying on the game plan they've put into place to be victorious. Y'all with me? Folks, we have an opponent out there, do we not? The Bible says we have an opponent, and he's seeking whom he may devour, Satan is. He's trying to break up your families. He's trying to run this church off. He's trying to shut the church doors. He's trying to discourage your pastor. He's trying to hurt your testimony or your witness or stop you from being a witness or, or whatever be the case. We have an opponent, and we have a game plan. Amen? The game plan is that, hey, we're not in this alone, and it, we would be a stronger opponent against him if we were to go out and tell others of Jesus so that he could bless and he could build the church, his church, with more. Now listen, God has a method here. The method is missions, and it really all centers around one principle, and it's giving. I'm not talking about dollars. I'm talking about giving yourself. Given your all, either, either through passing out gospel tracts, going door to door, saturating this beautiful neighborhood next to us, um, um, going into town to the businesses, um, leaving gospel tracts there at the uh, restaurants, um, uh, praying for your neighbors and your lost family members, looking to your left and right, looking at all the empty pews where people used to sit one day and reaching out to them and telling you you love them and you miss them and uh, 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 being a witness for Jesus. 
Jesus and lifting up the name of Jesus everywhere you go. I'm talking about giving all that you have. And God's got a principle in the Bible about that. In Luke chapter 6, verse number 38, the Bible says, Give, that's you, Christian. Hey, folks, we give and it shall be given unto you. Here's how it's going to be given. It's going to be given good measure. It's going to be given, uh, pressed down, shaken together, and then running over. Does that sound good? Would you like a good deal like that? You know, if you put something in the, if you go put a hundred dollar bill in the bank this week and you go back to get it out next week, you're only going to have about a hundred bucks left in there still, right? (laughs) That's if nobody got in there and got some of it. But you give to God, you get it good measure, uh, uh, pressed down, shaken together, and then run it over. Are y'all with me? That, that, that excites some of the Baptist churches too. Look, here's the deal. This, this is my bag. If, uh, if you came down to the feed store, and I'm the feed store owner, and you paid me for 10 pounds of corn, what would you like me to put in this bag for you? 10 pounds of corn. That'd be a good deal, wouldn't it? You paid for it. You'd like 10 pounds of corn. Y'all with me? Then, then here's, what, here's what the Lord says. He'll open up that bag from the Lord's feed store according to His riches. Amen? Hey, He'll open up His feed bag. I like this part. He'll put in your 10 pounds and rake it right off the top and show you there's a good measure. God's going to give you a good measure first. Next, next, He's going to press it down. He's going to get in there and press and get it down. Then He's going to shake it together. So all of it goes down into all the cracks and you're totally filled. Now you've gotten more than you bargained for. You can't outgive God. Lastly, he's going to put more in there to where it's running over, overflowing out of your cup and into your saucer. Amen? Uh, give and it shall be given unto you. Uh, a, pre- a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's how God gives back to us when we're simply obedient witnesses for Him. Paul says it somewhere else in his words that it's just your reasonable service. That's the least you can do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not meet to be called an apostle, for I used to persecute the church of God. Oh, but Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul knew where he stood. He knew he was forgiven and had to be forgiven for some horrific things. Folks, we got to get back to where we remember what we were forgiven for. Amen. Somebody with me today? Hey, remember where you would be would it not be for the grace of God. But by the grace of God, you had any kind of concern today to come back to the house of God. Amen? But by the grace of God, you've got some healthy children. Uh, But by the grace of God, this little uh, one and a half pound baby's now five and a half pounds. Amen? That's something to shout about. But by the grace of God. But by the grace of God, you would have never heard the gospel message. And now that you have your reasonable service, is just to simply be a witness unto Him. Now I have a couple of things here. God's method 
is missions. God gave us a marching order, and it's to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. There's definitely a need, and if we see a need, we should have a burden for it that should lead us to compassion that should finally lead us to some action. It should bother us when we look left and right and see the church house not full. It should bother us. I'm th- this is one of the bigger Sunday night crowds that I've been in. I- I've been in 86 churches in the last 11 months. 86. We drove 49,500 miles on deputation. That's serious. That's not just a preacher uh, number, okay? <laughs> That's a real number. I did, I did all the map quest, and I did all the... I, I've got a PowerPoint slide of me going like this. I really do. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it represents... 49,500 miles. It represents 86 churches. Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, drop-ins, cold visits, scheduled visits, 11 missions conferences, um, some special events, Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Uh, we're just preaching, telling them about Jesus, telling them what we're doing, we're going to South Korea. And so I've seen a lot of Sunday night crowds much, much smaller than this. It is to be applauded. We come back for Sunday night, and I'm thankful for that. There's somebody here to preach to tonight, somebody that cares. Who was it that said three to thrive? Uh, John R. Rice said three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Now, there's a need, though, because the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read something real quick. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13 and 14, enter ye into the straight gate, which is uh, for the wide gate. The broad broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be uh, which go in thereat. That's the wide way, the destructive way, which is not the way to heaven. They think it is, but it's not. But straight, that's Jesus Christ, the only way. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. That's Jesus Christ, the only way to heaven. If through repentance of your sins and faith in what he did, that's the only way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. It's not because everybody's searching and not finding Folks, nobody's searching anymore. And they need us to see that. When we see that, that ought to lead us to some action. Look, there's a need out there, number one. In Mark chapter 6, verse number 34, the Bible says this. Jesus came out and he saw much people. He was moved with compassion, not because he was God, not because he was Jesus, God in the flesh, not because he literally knew, he literally knew their state. He could look at you and say, lost, lost, saved, lost, Christian, true, false, no, liar. He could just do it if he wanted to. That wasn't it. Jesus Christ was moved with compassion simply because he looked and he saw and he knew they had a need. Amen. He just, it was that simple. He was a hundred percent man like he was a hundred percent God. Amen. He knew they had a need. He was compassionate. The Bible says, he moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep having no shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
The Bible tells us that there's a need out there. There's, there's, if, if we understand there's a need, we'll get a true burden. We'll get a true burden. We won't just be happy grabbing our wife and put her in the car and coming to church and leaving church and going to the Golden Corral and going back to work Monday and coming back Sunday doing the same thing. It's so much more than Sunday services. So much more than gathering for church to hear somebody preach. It's a life to be a witness for Christ. It's not just an obligation. It's an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. That's the truth, folks. You can amen me later or, or talk about me later. If you have a real burden, it'll lead you to compassion. And then lastly, it'll lead you to action. If you turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, you know where we're going. Matthew chapter verse number chapter 28, verse number 18. And all power is given unto me. That's the same power that's given unto them in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, to be witnesses unto them. All power is given unto me. That's Jesus in heaven and earth. And he says, with that power, this is what you need to do. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Uh, it's, it's a promise that has results. He said, if you go and teach and preach, you'll be baptizing. Listen, Baptist church, why do we baptize? To be a member of a church? No, no, no. To go to heaven? No, no, for forgiveness of sins, maybe. Absolutely not, I hope. You're baptized because you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've trusted in Him and He's forgiven you your sins and now you're a child of God. Amen. You've been adopted into the family of God and the first step of obedience is to, is to outwardly display the inward change that has taken place in you. Baptism. Everybody with me? Okay. If that's true, the Great Commission tells us that if we'll take the power of Jesus with us and we'll just go, just go, uh, go to the lo local supermarkets, go to your neighbor, uh, go to your friends at school, go to your families, go to God in prayer, just go, go missionary to the military, go to the parts of Africa, South Africa, um, South America, just go take the gospel, just go and preach and teach to all these folks. The Bible tells us we'll have to be baptizing these. Them. That tells me that they'll believe if we'll just be faithful to be a witness and tell them about Jesus. Well, God uses men, we see, and then lastly, it magnifies. Missions is not just a method. It's just not our marching order. It's not just something for us men to do. It magnifies the scope of God's love. John 3.16. Anybody know that? For God, say it with me, so loved the world that He gave, there we are about giving again, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's me, that's you, whosoever, go ahead, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life with God. If we'll simply give ourselves in any way we can. If we give ourselves, He'll have our wallets. That's nothing. If we'll give ourselves, He'll have our time. If we'll give ourselves, He'll have us. And if He has us, the Bible says if we give, 
He'll give back to us. He'll give us good measure. This church gives their... This church gets on fire for God and meets every Saturday and every Thursday with a handful of tracks this big and floods these neighborhoods and gets on fire. People are going to want, they're going to want something that this church has. And God's going to bless it. God's going to say, well, if you're going to give to me, I'm going to give back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Boy, wouldn't it be good? I'd love to come back. I know it'd be a headache for your pastor. I'd love to come back on furlough and visit and y'all are in a building program because you're running over. That's what God will do, amen? You know, uh, I know when to cut it off and I'm going to cut it off. If we'll understand that there's a need... People are dying, going to hell. There was a need the day I got saved. I needed Jesus Christ. I didn't need a new president. I didn't need the Republican or Democratic Party. I didn't need this law passed or that. I didn't need to simply clean up my life and throw the booze away. I didn't need to join a church and get busy. I didn't need to get better friends. All those things were byproducts. I needed Jesus. Somebody at a Walmart parking lot came up to my wife and said, Ma'am, are you going to church anywhere? And handed her a track. Said, you might want to try our church, Maranatha Baptist Church in Oak Grove, Kentucky. I was out in the field. That's where I lived in the military. I had to live out in the field. Hey, amen. I heard you try to see. You almost said amen to that one, Brandon. Hey, oh, over at Fort Campbell, Kentucky in the infantry, you lived out there off Range Road. You walked everywhere you went. You lived out there. I came home, my wife said, we got to go check this church out. It's a good church. I was lost. Because somebody invited my wife, they were taking the teens out around Walmart, handing out tracks. That track changed my life. I got saved. Praise God. My marriage got right. My life got right. I had three children after that. They're all saved, serving God. I've got a brand new grandbaby. Praise God, one day be raised up right in nurture and admonition of a Christian home and maybe my son will lead her to the Lord one day. But it's because somebody recognized there's a real need out there. It's a lot bigger than these four walls, folks. We got to get over that. We need to go out there and be a witness for God. It's God's method. There's no other way. There's no other way but for us to be a witness by taking the gospel out there. It's God's marching orders, and there's no other way, no other better way to show the scope of God's love than to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Preacher, thank you. I just want to challenge you, folks. I don't want to stomp on your toes and assume this or assume that and, and all of you grumble and talk about me when I leave. Listen, I'm just telling you. We've got to want We've got to want to do something for somebody out there. And Jesus Christ in us does. We've just got to relinquish ourselves. Give ourselves, he'll give back. Amen? Amen. Amen.